Amen. All right, they they fixed the podium. Amen. How many glad to be in the house of the Lord? I know it's a little little warm in here today, but I think we have some windows open trying to trying to get her get her going, get her going. Um, so if you are getting baptized today, maybe put your giddy up gear, because I might just baptize you right in the middle of service. I don't know. Just be ready. Be ready. Be ready. I don't know what it can happen. I might hold you down, so I don't know if you brought an oxygen tank or anything like that. But, but seriously, if you're getting baptized uh, today, make sure you're ready. Um, I'm thinking towards the end of service, but we'll see. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll just run with it. We had a great time uh, in Weirton. I think we had four people get baptized in Weirton. Uh, yeah, so I had a great, great time. And then uh, we got the baptismal tank over here. I want to thank some friends of ours out of a church in Wellsburg um, that helped us out for that. And so we're ready to do it today. And uh, man, if God moves upon your heart and you want to get baptized today and you didn't sign up, do it. Do it. Do it. Just run with it. We're living in some perilous, crazy times right now. And I believe now is the time, if ever a time, to run forward with it. But we're glad you're here. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord. Um, I originally, as I said, I originally wasn't, I'm not saying I wasn't a supportive husband, but Stephanie was like, oh, just go to the, just go to the church. You go to this church and I'm going up there. But I don't want to say she was nervous, but that was definitely by far the biggest church she's ever preached at. And I could just tell she was. And so I was already kind of out of town, um, with the boys. And so I said, man, we're, we're, we're going, we're, 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 we're going. So we went, had a wonderful time. It was a great time, but we missed you guys. Missed y'all. And I'm excited to be back here. Excited for what the Lord wants to do in this house, in this place. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's just jump into this thing because it is uh, baptismal Sunday, but I do have something stirring in my heart and in my spirit that I do want to preach today. So let's jump into this. Hebrews chapter two, um, verse one is kind of where I'm going to hang my hat here today. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says that we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. There's just so much. I mean, this is just one verse, but there's just so much in it that can be taken out of it. Um, I just, I find that it's starting in the beginning of a, of a chapter, chapter two, and the first thing the author writes. Now, I want to say this, that we don't know the author. There's a lot of speculation out there of who the author is, um, but no one's really has a clear, clear definition of it. But the author says here, we must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard. I mean, what do you, what, what we have heard, what has been going on, what the apostles have been teaching, what they have been sharing, what is happening, uh, with the churches, what is transpiring, the, the things that God is speaking, the, the, the prophecies that are coming forth of what is happening in this time and in this season. And, and the writer is telling this church saying, listen, we, me, telling the body of Christ, listen, we must we must be very attentive and know what has been said and heard. And it says here to not drift away. 
Now, normally, in, in, I'm going to give you my title. And my title is, normally, I'll take a text and pull something out of it to give a title. But my title is going to be a little bit different today. Um, and it's not going to make sense now, but hopefully by the end of the message, it'll make sense. But I want to preach to you today from the title, Maranatha. Maranatha. I know that might seem kind of an odd title, but just bear with me and we'll get there. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you. So excited for what you're doing today, God. So excited for the people uh, that are getting baptized. Uh, so thankful for those that got baptized uh, in Weirton. So thankful that young folks, that young folks are making a declaration and declaring that he is my savior, he is my king, and he is my Lord. That as the world is proclaiming and as the world is is pulling one way that God, that you're raising up young folks that have decided that I'm going to make a public confession of what's going on in my life. God, I thank you today. We love you. We glorify you in Jesus and we pray. Amen. Amen. So, so the, the, the writer, just to, to kind of build this a little bit, the, the, the author of Hebrews, and, and so to kind of pull you guys in to understand, and, and, and I kind of did a few weeks ago, how many of you were, I'd say maybe it was more than a few weeks ago, but how many of you were uh, familiar with the message I preach about the anchor, and I preach from Hebrews chapter 6, and, and I'm talking about the anchor holds, and so we're kind of just staying, I've been just staying in Hebrews, my own uh, individual reading, just reading, and just been loving Hebrews, but I envision when I'm reading Hebrews, I just envision as the author is penning this and writing this down of who he's, who he's talking to, and that's important that we understand who he's talking to, and what, who he's talking to is this letter is to the early Jewish Jesus followers. It was written to people who heard and believed that their long-awaited Messiah, their Savior, had indeed come, and his name was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So they're, they're what we would call uh, in the pastoral realm, newbies. They're new, kind of new, new to the new to the faith. But uh, the moment, the moment these Hebrews believed in Jesus, their lives changed dramatically. In a good way, and what we would portray, and what we would see as maybe a terrible way. And what I mean by that is that when they decided that they were going to follow him, things begin to change dramatically in the sense of persecution arose. That many family and friends begin to walk away from those who had decided to follow Jesus. Many of the religious folks, I mean, you have to think of what had transpired up to this point of the religion and all of a sudden Christ comes in and begins to say, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. Whoa, hold on. Oh, oh, hold on. I mean, even, even he was just shaking bushes and knocking down squirrels. I mean, I mean, he was just going. I mean, he just, he, he, Jesus goes up and says, before Abraham was, I am. So now these folks, and then they, you know, they talked about what well, he didn't really, you know, die. And then they stole his body. So there's a lot of things going on. So when those that 
said, no, I believe, I believe, I believe. Many turned their backs on them. Many family members left them. Many, uh, many folks that were no longer, uh, they weren't going to anybody's businesses anymore. They said, oh, no, those are those crazy folks that just went off. They believe that, that Jesus, the Messiah, they, they believe in all that hype that's been going around. They're one of those, what we consider those who grew up in the Jesus freak area. They would be considered, oh, they got Jesus freak. And so they really, really, really suffered. They were suffering economically. They were suffering financially. They were suffering emotionally and physically because they had decided to follow Jesus. Now through all this, as many of you, as life can weigh on you, the author here has seen what they have gone through and what they have experienced. And he's telling them here in Hebrews chapter 2 in this first thing, he says, listen, just hold on. Hold tight to what you've seen and what you've heard. Hold tight to that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hold tight to that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. Hold tight to what he said that he is coming back for us. Hold tight to that he said that he sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, our counselor. And that when we're brought before great people, that, that he's going to give us the words to say and the things to speak. Hold tight to this thing. And he said, here's what I need you to do. Don't drift away. I know it's tough and I know it's difficult. And I know things are, and I know you've had to kiss some things goodbye. And I, I know people have walked away from you, but don't drift away. Don't drift Stay the course. In Hebrews chapter 6 about the anchor, the anchor holds, hold on to the hope. In all of Hebrews, that's what he's talking about. Hold on, church. Hold on, church. And he's telling them they need to stay the course. That no matter what is happening, stay the course. No matter how bad it gets, stay the course. No matter how, how bad your heart is broken, stay the course. No matter how many people walk away from you, stay the course. No matter how many people block you or unfriend you, stay the course. No matter how many people at your job place don't want to talk with you anymore, stay the course. No matter if they make fun of you at work anymore, stay the course. No matter if they're in the family reunion, they have the cool folks in the family reunion, and now you're no longer part of the cool group because you don't run and do the things and say the things that they do, but he says, I know you're not a part of that, but you're a part of my family. You're a part of the plan that I have for you, but what I need you to do is I need you to stay the course, and the writer of Hebrews understands how the enemy works, and, I, and maybe I'm just getting, getting, you know, you feel my excitement. My, my conviction, my, my passion of preaching this because I understand from the author of Hebrews. As a pastor, I understand of saying, don't drift. Stay the course. Remember what was preached. Remember what was saying. Remember what was testified in church. Don't drift because I see so often in the, in the 20 years that I've been doing this, is man the enemy? He's he's slick. 
And you'll have somebody that will come in, just like the author of Hebrews is, is speaking to people that are newbies, new to this thing. And you'll see so many people that will come in and they'll come in in service and the man will just be like, yeah, and John's leading worship. And yeah, he's here. Yeah. And you, and you get, you know, you get the goosies. Like, Woo! And, and you say, man, yeah. And then you get in and you, you come, you know, come to church. And then, then all of a sudden things like the, like the, the audience of Hebrews, things get stuff. Like not everybody's excited for this newfound change in your life. You would think people would be excited that, man, I'm getting, man, I got a joy that I've never had before. I got a peace that I've never had before. And then you want to go tell people, hey, I got this joy. And I got this peace. And I can feel God, and you think everybody's going to celebrate with you, but that's just not how And that's what the, he's speaking to this audience, and he's telling them, because you can see people, you know, newbies that will come in, and they'll come to church, you know, and church, and then church, and then they'll miss a Sunday, and then they'll miss a Sunday. And then you might catch them, you know, the fourth or fifth Sunday, and oh, I need to, I need to get re-energized. And then they miss and then miss and then and then you have that most, I'm just speaking from, from me, and then you have that most uncomfortable reaction or the uncomfortable meeting in Walmart aisle four. When you come around the corner and somebody who's been at the church for a long time runs into the preacher when they haven't been at church for the long, at a long time. And normally, and normally, I never, I never, you know, you never, I never be like, hey, where you been? All right. Because I've been doing this long enough, I know. I know where you've been. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The drift. Because just like he was speaking to them, he was telling the author of Hebrews is telling them to stay with it, stay with it. So often we think, okay, I, I came and, and we think everybody's going to be excited and everybody, I, I tell I tell newbies a lot of time when they ask, man, I started coming to church and gave my life to the Lord and it seemed like all hell broke loose. It seemed like it was easier back and back and back and I said, listen, when you're, when you're dancing with the enemy, and you're doing, this is the best way I can describe it for people, newbies, that I can understand it. I can't give them some hermeneutical, philosophical, eschatological, ontological, teleological, pathological, psychological <laughs> view of the atonement and begin to break down about the precious blood of the Lamb. And they're, <laughs> they're the same ones asking, like, where, where's, where's Revelation? I'm like, just turn the Bible around. You'll find it. <laughs> so you got to explain it in a way. I'm like, listen, it's like going, you know, going to the club. And you mentioned, okay, I got you, preacher. Okay, where are we going? And I'm like, hey, you you with this girl, you meet her, you know, at the club all the time. You're always dancing with her. And then all of a sudden, you found somebody new. Wow. What's that girl going to, oh, she's going to be mad, preacher. I said, exactly. That's how the enemy works. And so when you were dancing with the enemy, he just, he loved it, just gave you all your little fleshly desires and everything that you wanted. I said, but then when you change and you're no longer at the club, but you're in the church, when you're no longer drinking and running and doing here, and then all of a sudden you change, what's he, he's not going to sit back and just be like, okay, go ahead and change. He's going to fight you. But the author, 
is saying the same thing I'm saying to you. Stay the course. Stay the course. I've come to sound the alarm just like the author here did. Stay the course. Don't let anything or anyone cause you to drift. We are living in a time, we are living in a season that I do not feel like my messages are just us coming in here and just preaching a message. But I believe that the messages now, the season that we are living in, are for those that are just hanging in the balance of life and death. And the enemy knows. The enemy will find a door. That's what I'm saying. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Because why? The enemy will find an open door and he will exploit it. How many were around when I preached the message about the open door? I used an illustrated sermon about the open door. And I talked about that the enemy, if there's a door open, the enemy, he'll kick it in and he'll go. He'll go and he'll exploit it. If you look at uh, look at even from the beginning with Adam and Eve, he found an opportunity and he exploited it. Even though the tree was not to be eaten of, he comes in and he takes that opportunity and exploits it. The enemy. Give me a few moments. The enemy has found a door with COVID and he's using it to try to destroy the church. Now stick with me for those that are new to the church. I don't want you getting all crazy or anything. I'm not saying COVID's not real. That's, that's, just, that's just not me. I mean, I've had pastor friends, at least five, five or six. Another one just passed this past week. So I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that the enemy has found an area and he's going to exploit it. We as believers, we must be balanced in what we do. The apostle Paul said it this way, said it best. I know how to be here. The Apostle Paul says, I'm balanced in everything I do. I'm going to remain almost brought a balance beam in for my illustrated sermon, but it was a long week, so I didn't. And I was afraid I'd fall off of it, and y'all make fun of me, and then it'd be on YouTube or something. But the Apostle Paul says, I know, I know how to be balanced anyway. I know, I know. And what I found is that, that the, the body of Christ with, with, with COVID, we must be balanced. Yes. Take your precautions. Yes, wash wash your hands. I mean, I think they taught us that in kindergarten anyways. Now, 40-something years old, we're just realizing it. But wash your hands, do the things that need to be taken. But, but here's what's happening with, with the enemy. The enemy has found that loophole, and he says, well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push the church over and cause them to be unbound. And we have an unbalanced body of Christ. Amen. Bells are chinging for me. I will keep going with this thing. And, 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 and let, I, I want to show you something, what I'm talking about that the enemy has. I'm, I'm not minimizing COVID. 
But I want to show you how the enemy has found a door and he's, he's wanting to exploit it to destroy the church. And let me show you something. Can we pull that? So as we're pulling this up, let me, let me just set the stage a little bit. So there is a pastor in, in Canada. And this is on Easter Sunday, from my understanding. On Easter Sunday, uh, this gentleman has followed protocol. It's a small church. It's not a, when I say small church number-wise, I want to say there's 10, 15 people at, at the church on Easter Sunday. As they're there on Easter Sunday, 10, 15 folks doing what they need to do, but the enemy finds a loophole. And so, are we ready? All right, so this is this is what happens on Easter Sunday. Please get out. Get out of this property. Immediately get out. Get out of this property. Immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this Can property. Can you pause it for one second? That's what I hear more. Here, and then from my understanding from what I've read, there are two or three police officers that are outside. This young lady is works for the state, from my understanding, along with the other two folks that work with Ouch! 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 Sorry. Out of this property in so here's what I'm talking about, the, the, the balance here. Now, if we are, if this young lady and the others are here that are extremely, um, and their, their goal, their objective is to make sure that, um, that people are being safe, stick with me, there has to be a balance. Then why are not these, why, why aren't these police officers in the same people going to the strip clubs? Why, 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 why are these same police officers and these same people not showing up at the bars? Because I've read and researched and they're not going to the bars, they're not going to casinos. I've even researched it, they haven't gone to the, the mosque, they haven't gone to Walmart. They haven't gone to restaurants. They haven't gone to anywhere else. But they decide they want to pick a small little church that decided that it wants to preach the kingdom of God and say, we're going to show up on the day of service on Easter Sunday when they've been following along, following along, all while the world is continuing to do. And so that's what I'm saying. You must have, a, 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 there, there's a safety, there's a precaution, but the enemy has found an opportunity and the enemy says, I'm going to use it to try to destroy the church. I'm going to try to bring, why not call this gentleman? Why not call him up the day before? Why not give him a, a, a thing and say, hey, listen, we just want to make sure that you're following this. We want to make sure that you you know, the churches are, 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 are doing their part or whatever. Why show up on Easter Sunday and say and try to shut down service? I figured it'd get quiet in here. But as, as, as a preacher of the gospel, uh, what is done and said from the pulpit falls upon me. There will be a day that I have to answer for what has been said and what has been done. And so I need to make sure that when I stand before him, that my hands are clean and I will say, Lord, I done warned them and told them. I want to make sure that he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord.
Hebrews is telling the same folks that are in a. Oh, let me let me go a little bit further. So 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 a few weeks ago, I probably about a month ago, I shared this story. I shared this story, and this is another pastor in Canada. Some of you remember this because you came after service. But it says, uh, and, and just kind of rehashing a little bit. We're going to baptize here in a minute. Uh, pastor Pastor Jane Coates of Grace Life Church of Edmonton was carried off to jail in hand and ankle cuffs. The condition of his release is that he cannot preach. His wife and kids are not allowed to see him. He's the first Canadian pastor to be jailed for holding a church service. Actually, he was jailed for five weeks. For five weeks. But, but here's, the, here's the catcher. Here's the catcher. That the condition of his release is that he cannot preach. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I thought we were about safety protocol. Now listen, don't get... I mean, no, 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 no. Don't be like, oh, Pastor. I, I'm not... Listen, I've had friends pass from COVID. I'm not saying COVID, but I'm saying there has to be a balance. Could you see what is going on? My, my problem is, are you going and are you going to Walmart? Are you shutting them down and tell them, stop buying, stop selling? I lost my showers in here. Are we going to the casino joints and saying, "Hey, you got to stop no, 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 no more. You got you got to stop gambling. You got to stop gambling. No, nope, you can't. No, nope, you can't do this. No, nope, you can't do that." The enemy has found a loophole. He's found an area. I'm not saying don't follow safety protocol, but I'm saying, look, don't preach. Don't preach. Don't preach. Yeah, don't 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 preach. And it reminds me, do we have that scripture, Acts chapter, Acts chapter 4? It reminds me exactly of the word of God. Acts chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Then they called them in again to the council, and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for this, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Listen, I'm all about, you want me to social distance? I'll social distance. You want me to go over here and do this? You want me to have hand cleaner? I'll hand cleaner. I'm cool with that. But you ain't going to tell me I can't preach the word of God. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to decree it. I'll preach it in the parking lot. I'll preach it down the road. I'll preach it over here. I'll preach it over there. I'm going to declare that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I declare to the day I die that I will tell that this joy that I have, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Do I got anybody in this house? I'm a little OCD like that. If you didn't know that about me, you were But I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. So this gentleman says the same thing they said here. I can't. I can't. I got to preach. So they find him. They let him go. 
He gets out. He goes to church. Stick with me. The enemy will find a loophole. He goes to church and this is what he runs into. You can't see it, but this is the church, his church. And apparently it says here, apparently the freedom of religion no longer exists. The pastor spent 35 days in a maximum security facility because he would not turn people away and wanted to worship. Now, what, over three weeks later, unannounced, the government closed his church, fenced it off, and they are occupying it. Oh, hold the phone. Why aren't we, why, we didn't fence off the casino places? We ain't fencing off the, the, the strip joints? Oh, I'm coming for you today, baby. I'm coming for you today. I'm coming for you today. Can I, can I preach this thing? And I know they, they, we passed it, that's in Canada. That's in Canada. That's in Canada. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, and people that, that know me and know me well, this is your first time. This, to me, it is, to me, I'm not about politics. That's just not, not my thing. That's just not my thing. I don't know if Ron's here, Ron, Ron, Ron Ferguson, he's big, he's in the politics. That's just not, my, my, my thing is the kingdom of God. I, I mean, that's just through and through. Through and through, that's what I'm going to proclaim. So I don't want people to go, oh, he's trying to push. I ain't pushing any agenda. My agenda is the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's my only agenda. My agenda is just like when they asked Jesus about what his agenda was. He says, I'm about my father's business. That's all I'm about. I'm about my father's business. I don't have any agenda. I don't have any political stickers. I don't have anything on my car pushing this, pushing that. I'm all about the kingdom of heaven. I am about the father's business. I want to see people healed. I want to see people delivered. I want to see people set free. I want to see somebody who once was blind, but now they can see. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care who raised you, who didn't raise you. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care if you drive a jalopy and it's beat up or you drive a beamer. All I know is that he can take you from the guttermost to the uttermost. All I know is that you can be wretched in sin, but his blood can wash you white and Wash you white as snow. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You can ask me about all these other things. I don't know too much about all these political aspects and who's here and who's there. But the one thing I do know that nothing can wash away my sin. Amazing grace, how sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me. I do know that he took a young kid from a broken home in Hooverson Heights, West Virginia, raised him up, took him around the world, brought him here to Stoomville, Ohio, to tell you, keep the course, keep the course, keep the course. Now, now I got off there because we got to go. But... But Amen. some people are like, well, that's Canada. So can we pull that next one up? Come on. Come on. Amen. So this has kind of been like thrown under there a little bit. By a 5-4 vote, the Supreme Court. I mean, I'm not big about politics. My wife, you know, she, she knows. I mean, she's a history teacher. She knows this stuff. But I know the Supreme Court, that's big stuff. Lifts 
a restriction on prayer meetings in homes. Hold on. Hold on. And everybody's like, oh man, they're so excited. We won. We won. Bunch of pastors sending in the group text. We won. We won. We can pray. Woo! Five to four. Why aren't we why aren't we taking TikTok video parties? Let me let me We have to take it to the Supreme Court and have to vote whether you can pray in your house. Now here's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying, oh, Pastor, you gotta you gotta watch COVID. I, okay, okay, I got you, boo. I got you. Let's go down that road then. I got you because because I'm, I'm good. My, my, my hands are clean, Doc. I washed them right before I walked in here. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Then tell me, tell me, tell me how this and then the enemy's not using it as. Tell me this. Go to the next next one. Please. So this is Paul Pierce. He is a Hall of Famer basketball player. Now he's in an uh, analysis or something. He does commentary or something for, for sports. So Paul Pierce, thousands and thousands or whatever, went on Instagram Live and had an entire strip club at his house. Now he got he got fired from his job, but the firing from his job, from my understanding, was that number one he was smoking weed, and number two that I think he he showed some women or so. So, but nobody said anything. Well, take that to the Supreme Court. How is it that we are taking something to the Supreme Court and it's barely getting passed? About prayer meetings. You know why? Because there's a difference. You say, well, Pastor, I, I haven't been in church long, but I do know there's a big difference between that and that. No, 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 no. Here's, here's the difference. Here's the difference. They don't say anything to him. They didn't mention it anything. They don't talk about, hey, these people need to stop having these parties in their house and doing all that. Why are they not voting on that? Why are they not saying anything? Because that doesn't affect. But you know what changes things, Butchie? Where two or more gather, there I am in the midst. He said, where two or more agree, something happens and the enemy knows that on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter got up and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is the third hour of the day. But this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Something happened when believers get together and begin to pray. He said, oh, if I could get them to shut up, if I could get them to stop praying in their home, if I could get them to stop getting together, because when people get together, then people get healed. When people get together and start praying, people get delivered. If I could get, I don't care if the strippers want to run the polls. I don't care if they're throwing money in the house. I'll let them do that. But a church that gets together and prays, it'll turn the world upside down. Do I got any folks in here that are ready to turn the world upside down? Oh, I don't care what they vote. You can't keep praying, I'll pray in my bathroom, I'll pray in my car, I'll pray in the street, I'll pray in the kids' room, I'll pray in the back room. Somebody ought to help me preach here today. 
I gotta go. I'm way, way past my time. I want to jump in this and jump right back. I, I told you I'm not big. My wife knows all this, but the one thing I do know that the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit. Five four. This is what I'm trying to encourage you. Now they're talking about court packing. How many of you remember hearing anything? Court packing. What's court packing? Court packing means they want to take nine judges to 13 judges. So saints, so saints, let's say they do that. What happens? What happens to, what happens, what happens to us? What happens to you? If rather than five, four, now that you can pray, what happens now? It's flipped. And it's an eight, eight to whatever, I don't know, I'm just not good at math, help me, within 13, break it up, I don't know. Eight to five, eight to five that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> they call me to preach, not do math. Save that for the wonderful teachers out there. I probably, we do have teacher of the year in here, you're probably just disappointed, but like, pastor. What happens is it's split eight to five. Eight to five. In favor that you can't pray. I know for me and my house, I don't care if they put 20 people on that, pack it with 500 people on there. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to preach. I'm going to continue to say, do you see what I'm saying? Hebrews 2 verse 1. Don't drift. Let's be balanced. Let's be balanced and don't drift. My last thing, and this is on bringing my message, Hebrews chapter 11. And this is it. Baptismal folks, ready? Let's do this thing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36 to 38. And this is, he's speaking to them. He's writing to them. Don't drift. I know it's been tough. I know it, but he's our anchor. He's our anchor. Hold on. And then he says here in Hebrews 11. He says, some face jeers and flogging, even with chains and imprisonment. He's talking about what they've been through. And they were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. Real quick, throw that in there. Sheepskins and goatskins. So what they would do is they would take sheepskins or goatskins. They would take the, they would skin them. And then they would put those skins on a believer, on somebody who would not deny Christ. And then they would allow an animal to devour them. A pretty harsh way to die. Destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world is not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountain living. But here's what I want to talk about. And I'm finishing here. They would be in these areas. They called them the catacombs. And they would be just all these, all mixture of people, criminals. People have done these terrible things and they would throw Christians in with them because they can be, were considered criminals. And when they would get down in these catacombs, down in these areas, as the crowds were going crazy, a lot of times they would like to do it in front of everybody. And it was a, a celebration time. It was a sporting event to see these people get destroyed. And so as they're in the catacombs and they're down there and they're, they're, they're waiting mixed amongst all the different types of people. The Christians down there had something a little different. 
as they're down there mixed amongst all the other thieves and all murderers and all these people have done terrible things and the, the thing they've done is they won't deny Christ. But how they distinguish themselves. The crowd is screaming. The crowd is cheering because they want to see more blood. They want to see more bloodshed. And here these Christians are down there mixed amongst thieves and murderers and robbers knowing that this is their last moment. They'll never see their family again until on the other side knowing that if only they would say that they would deny Jesus, they could get away from this. But they would never deny. And what they would do is that they would look at one another and they had a code word. And the code word was Maranatha. So as they were sitting there, they'd look and they'd see somebody and somebody would look at them and they'd say, Maranatha. And the other person would look at them thinking about their family, knowing that this is their last moment, would lift up their head. Yeah, yeah, give me two Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. And why they would whisper Maranatha and encourage one another with that word is Maranatha meant the Lord is coming. And I titled the message here today, Maranatha, to let those of you know that are battling heartache, that are battling. You might not be in the catacombs of Rome and you might not hear the crowds jeering. You might not have sheepskin and goatskin upon you or you might not be threatened to be poured, uh, have boiling oil poured on you. But I'm here to let you know, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Don't you drift. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. Don't you throw in the towel. We need to encourage if ever a time. Now is the time that we need to encourage one another. When you see somebody at at Walmart, when you see them, look at Maranatha, baby. Keep going. You might have tears in your eyes. You might see somebody that's going through hell and high water, but let them know Maranatha. Keep going. The Lord is coming. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for his people. He's coming back for those that are ready to serve. He's coming back. I come to let somebody know. I know life has been tough, but Maranatha. The Lord is coming. I don't care what the news outlet says, Maranatha. I don't care what news media you watch, Maranatha. I don't know all what they're saying about this and everything else, but I do know one thing, Maranatha. The Lord is coming. Come on, those who are getting baptized. Let's do this thing. Come on, if you get baptized, run on up here and get on up here and let's let's do this thing. So that's why we're doing the baptism. That's why I preach this message here today is that we're not drifting. Impact Church is not drifting. We're going to keep going forward. We're going to keep believing. We're going to keep declaring. We're going to keep believing in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And we're going to show the enemy. Boom! We're baptizing. Amen? Amen? All right. All right. Katie, you first? All right. You ready? You ready? You ready? Well, Butch, you can help me out, brother. Nothing, nothing greater than someone else getting soaking wet. Huh? I would like to be surprised. Surprise. Ooh, ooh.
Well, your bed's bad. Is it warm? Yeah, it's warm. It's warm. We lucky in air hearts last time. They. All right. All right. Go ahead and jump in there. I'm gonna talk to you for a second, and then you can, you can sit down, and then we'll just take you. And if you need to, if you need to plug your nose, because you're going back all the way down. Full thing. Full throttle. Going all the way down. All right. You ready? Push. You want to help me? On one side, yeah. on the other. Yep. Alright, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions and then we're gonna baptize you. We're gonna take you, bring you all the way down, alright? Alright, you love the Lord? Do you believe that He died and He rose again for you? Alright, get ready. By your confession, proclamation in Jesus Christ, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
is so excited. And that's how she is with the, the word of God. She's just so hungry for, for what God wants to do. She's just so hungry for God's will and purpose for her life. And so, man, I'm just believing that God's raised you up for such a time as this. God's got great exploits for the whole for the whole family. You ready? Right. You love the Lord.